Living in Hollywood can be expensive. Andrew and Lene moved to the land of showbiz to live out their dreams and work in the glamorous world of entertainment. They discovered that to live there, it was going to end up costing them $2,300 a month for a tiny little one-bedroom apartment. So this is their story of trading in that ludicrously high rent for that teeny little apartment to actually get their dream home that was just adjacent to the city of dreams. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's your favorite kind of podcast. We've got Andrew and Lene. Tell everybody, where are you guys? We're in Claremont, California. Claremont. Now, for people who don't know, because we're a gigantic state, I know where Claremont is because I know where the Candlelight Dinner Theater Pavilion is. (laughs) That's my sad life. Um, (laughs) Tell everybody where Claremont is. Yeah, no, it's like the most eastern part of Los Angeles, basically. It's like the very edge of Los Angeles County. Very cool. Well, the interviews, people love to hear these. Now, we've had a couple 19-year-olds that I've interviewed who purchased their first home, which is just amazing. You guys are in my neck of the woods. So those of you out there who are possibly looking at some really expensive property, I think Andrew and Lene can help you. They reached out to me and normally... I've got friends in LA and the area up there. It takes a gigantic plan. So you guys weren't buying a little $100,000 house. So tell me about your journey to get to where you did like what I guess I would call some serious adulting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it really just started that like, I mean, for a while, we've just been saving up for a really long time is really what it was. So it's that kind of we never knew the exact numbers, but we'd known for a while that getting a house was something that we wanted and we just knew how expensive it was going to be. So really, as soon as we started having just extra income, we started just not being extremely frugal with it, but definitely being sure to save up a lot along the way over years. So then when we were actually ready to look into it, being like, we've got some stuff saved up. Now, what's the next step was kind of where we were at. Now, There are a lot of people that now, since the pandemic, we've had people that have options for moving someplace cheaper. Did you grow up in the area? Do you work in the area? What was the reason for staying in the expensive Southern California area for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we didn't grow up in the area. We're both from New Hampshire originally, which is much cheaper. But we came out here for work. Andrew works in and around Burbank in the film and TV industry. So that was basically kind of what we're centered around, what we're looking to stay around just for commute times and availability and whatnot. And Claremont was kind of (laughs) the furthest we were willing to go for his commute that we could reasonably afford something that we wanted. (laughs) Um, Because, yeah, that's the funny thing. You know, it's like obviously still Southern California, so still Los Angeles County, so still expensive. But that is why we're so far Like, you know, east, like, yeah, compared to where he works. Right. Yeah. It was more affordable for us. So you guys did the commute thing. There are a lot of people that do that for different reasons. Some people like acreage. You like not spending $2 million. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) 
How do you like Claremont? It's a fun little town, isn't it? Are you enjoying it? It's definitely one of the quainter places in Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, we love it. Like, honestly, we've been so busy that we haven't even fully been able to explore it yet. But like whenever we do get out to do community things, like, yeah, we love it. Yeah. For us, it's that perfect size of like, there's a lot to do, but it's still, it's like somewhere between a city and a suburb. So kind of like between where we were living and where we grew up. So just, yeah. yeah. Those so were, were you guys city folks that did the whole, oh my God, I'm a grown up. I'm going to go live in a house with a picket fence and a cul-de-sac. Were you renting like in Burbank? Where were you guys? Like in a city? North no. Hollywood. Uh, yeah. No ho, live there. Yeah. 10 years, baby. <laughs> <laughs> So we were in the arts district mostly for like the past nine or so years. Lancashire and Magnolia. Yes. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My yeah. wife lived there and I lived right around the corner. She was at the one. I lived there before there was the train station there. Old guy. So, uh, <laughs> and there used to be a crazy sushi bar that would serve my underage friends. Um, Is it? Tokyo Delves way back in the day. It's not there anymore. It's right next to the theater on Lancashire, but they closed down because they served underage people. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so how long was the rental period for you guys? And was the plan, okay, we're always going to buy a house, or did you get sick of the rent and then decide to reach out? Yeah, I mean, we were renting from 2013 till we bought so i guess which was just in yeah, yeah so eight or nine years of it yeah nine years and like it was less about the payment itself that we got sick of making but more just kind of sick of what the apartment life was just i mean like especially through the pandemic just like our apartment complex decided that was a great time to do all the renovations so just being trapped in the yeah. I need a one bedroom and just working from home work. through construction. Yeah. Just yeah. All oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Tell everybody what you were paying on average for that one bedroom to live amongst the stars in beautiful North Hollywood. <laughs> I think that was 2,300 yeah. a month. I think that was 2,300 a month there. So did you guys look at different down payment options or were you always trying to do a big chunk? We were always trying to do a big chunk. Basically, we'd been living with a roommate for a few years and then we got our one bedroom and like through promotions or job changes, we kind of just like decided to stay there and save up as much as we could because we knew buying out here would just take a big chunk of change. Yeah. So yeah, down payment was definitely what we were building towards. And I do think we did definitely, as we learned about the process, that decision of like, well, are we putting down 20 or are we putting down 10? Figuring that out was definitely something we were fluctuating through a little bit. We ended up doing 15. 15. 15 down as well. Okay. So expand on that for me, please. Because there are people out there who think I am on crack when I tell them 15% versus 20 because they go what about the pmi but if you're buying a larger place and again we won't divulge how much your place is but it wasn't three hundred thousand dollars all right so five percent of anything over three hundred thousand dollars is a large chunk of change was having that money liquid a better plan for you 
and something that could easily offset paying the PMI. Was that your logic behind it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, it really was just for us kind of as simple as, yeah, I mean, the, the PMI really just ultimately wasn't that much in the scheme. Okay. So yeah, for us to even actually be able to afford this place, it was kind of like, well, that's the way we can make it happen. And it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. Like if we had done the higher amount, we would have had to get a different house. I say it all the time. PMI is an insurance, but it is there so that you can afford to purchase something now and you don't continue renting a one bedroom for $2,300. You're basically loaning yourself whatever it is that you need to pay. You guys were in the situation where you could go 15 or 20, but there are people that don't want to put 5% down because they don't want to put the PMI. And I say, how long is it going to take you to save 15%? How many months are you going to be renting? And if it's 5% on a five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand $900,000 house, that's a big chunk of change. Right. So what were some of the other things that you learned about the process that you guys are obviously together people, saved up your money? Was there anything that was surprising to you when you got into the whole process? Other than the amount of paperwork, <laughs> I don't think we were prepared for that, to be honest. I went a little crazy trying to like read through every single contract. And at one point we had to be like, I think we just need to trust our realtor and trust our lender and maybe not read every line. But um, just other than that, how easy it was, because we really did love our realtor and our lender and how easy they made it. I mean, both of them, but like the lender in particular just put all of our numbers out there. And it seemed like night or day, like text or email, just, hey, what if we tweaked this number? What if we tweaked that number? And they're like, yeah, okay, here's the whole spreadsheet of what that would look like. And that was so helpful and so calming because we were really anxious about like, how do we even figure out what we can afford? Because we really didn't know. Okay. So then just to reiterate, that was absolutely not an online mortgage broker or a rocket mortgage. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, we actually... It was California Coastal Loans with Dino is how we did it. Oh, my lender. That's yeah. why. Hmm. <laughs> it was a fantastic lender. Yeah. Well, Andrew and I have been talking forever. We had the whole showbiz and North Hollywood connection and going through this. And I knew that having that kind of lender that there's... Two different ways you buy a house. You figure out what you could buy and you buy it. When you're in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, any place that's expensive, it's, oh my gosh, figuring out what are my options? Can we even pull this off? So there has to be a creativity. And you're not going to get that when you're talking to your online folks. They're going to be nine to fivers. They're just seeing what you get. They punch in your numbers and send it to you. I will say one of the great things about using the lender like that, and because, I don't know, was it Dino? Was it Mario that was sending you stuff on the weekend? Just like, boom, 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 and... Yeah, Mario was the... Yeah. yeah, they've got that stuff on lockdown. I mean, I have seriously called them while they're, like, out to dinner, but they know what to do, and they have the template ready, and they'll just repunch in the number and send it to you, and they've spent all this time creating a client-friendly software and ability to be able to reach out to you. 
And as far as the paperwork goes, Lene, I totally feel you on that, man. You got to get ready. Like the first 14 days is just a tsunami of stuff that comes at you fast. I tell people all the time, anything that's in black and white, that's standard. But look for the parts where I typed something in. That's the part that you have to read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely started yeah, following the Cliff Notes versions <laughs> yeah. at some point. <laughs> Do you have any tips for people out there besides get ready for your head to hurt and buy some Excedrin for all the contracts you have to read? I mean, one thing I think went a long way for us, other than just having, like we said, a great lender and a great realtor, like that definitely was huge, but I think was just having confidence when you know you found the house you want. I still feel like that was a big part of what helped it work out for us was as soon as we saw the listing and knew it looked good in pictures, it looked like really promising. We made a point to go see it as soon as possible and getting in there as fast as we could. So we were one of the first people to see it. And then we got to walk around and be like, yeah, it's even better than it was in the pictures. Let's move right now as fast as we can and just trying to go as fast. And then that's what the real turn lender really helped that process go quickly. Yeah, I think we were shocked by how fast it went, but they really helped us be prepared for the when it was right, we could just go. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it totally makes sense. That's what I explain to people. No matter what the market is doing, if your team is professional, they know how to adjust. I know that the lender does $250 penalty if they don't close on time that looks awesome to the listing agent. It's like, hey, I just didn't find these guys in an open house and get them pre-approved yesterday. We're legit. Being able to do the shorter time frames. So that preparation, I know what it is. Explain to me how you felt, like what got you to that confidence level? Was it because you spent some time looking at some other homes, you narrowed in on a certain place, and then when you saw something you knew, You've done the research before. I'm answering for you. So why don't you answer? Why were you confident? <laughs> yeah, I'd say I think it was we spent like, I mean, a lot of time just between each other talking about our priorities and the things that we knew we wanted one and not the other, but then being able to practically see with a specific listing, like looking at one and being like, okay, well, this does have these things and not this. So is this one of those things we would go for? It's just like being able to really work through those scenarios yeah. ahead of time. So then when you actually see the one, we felt confident. Yeah, it was a lot of like, could we make this house work? How could we make this house work for us and our needs? And then finally getting to one where we're like, oh, that just works. Like we don't have to get creative of like, oh, well, we can kind of use this as a room or whatnot. Just, oh, that checked all of our boxes. I tell my buyers when we see our first house, I say, tell me everything you love about this, but tell me everything you hate. Because a lot of times I'll just walk in and go, I'm not feeling this one. I'm like, great. I need about 50 more bullet points. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, that was a thing our realtor did. She had a website where she would send us the listings and we could look kind of on our own time. And then there were a bunch of different boxes you could check what you did like and what you didn't like. And so it was nice to know that she was taking that feedback on board. Too. Yeah, it's different all over the place. They actually use a different MLS up there than we use down here. But I have a notes thing and my people will in the middle of the night write stuff and then I'll write stuff back in the middle of the night and 
I can always tell. I'm like, did you have a bunch of wine before you? You got really snarky here, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Anything that you would warn people about? Did you have any bad or was everything just so awesome? Because I love that unicorn team. They're awesome up there. I really love them. But was there anything that you would want to like say, hey, make sure besides the contracts that you're watching out for this stuff? How's been moving in? How's the house been? Have you had anything post moving in? Uh Uh-oh, I see a nod. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was one thing to be aware of for us was kind of the big thing was our place was renovated right before we got it. So it had this look to it that just looked like everything was perfect. Perfect. (laughs) And of course, we get the inspection done as part of the process. And that noted certain things here and there but nothing crazy, but then just after moving in, noticing things like electrical issues. Yeah, it was like, like, so things that the inspector was like, oh, you've got plenty of electricity to power the house as it is. And it's like, cool, but the house is empty. (laughs) And we're working from home part-time, we have the AC, and so it's an older house. So we just ran into problems with like short circuits and had someone come out and he was like, yeah, you really don't have enough power for a modern house with all the stuff you're going to add. So we should probably update your entire electrical panel. So there was that. A few thousand bucks for that? Yep, a few yeah. thousand dollars. And- yeah, we were so proud. We had this little nest egg on top of our down payment to be like, cool, when we move in, we can buy furniture and some decorations. And like half of that was gone. <laughs> but that was also really helpful to have that as like a buffer for when you're like, oh, actually living here, what needs work, kind of. Well, you guys know I love doing this and you guys are close enough, but I still referred you out. I'm not trying to get clients on this. So I say a lot of things that bum people out. Have your renovation nest egg and then be ready not to be able to use it all (laughs) because (laughs) you're going to fix electrical. It's a three hour inspection and that's a long time, but man, that's the biggest thing I tell people all the time. What if they never use the half bathroom? What if they never had eight people over and had everything running all at once? So it's having that extra is better. I tell people all the time, stretch, but don't stretch so far that you don't have any money left over. Yeah. And I think that's exactly it. That's awesome. Well, that's going to be a big part. I'm going to do a what to do after your first year. And we were talking about that. So I'm going to definitely put that in there. So congratulations, beautiful Claremont. I'm so excited. Next time I go out to see a show at the Candlelight Dinner Theater with one of my friends, I will drive by and wave at you. (laughs) I promise I won't knock on the door and be creepy, but you know. This is very, very nice. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Congratulations on your new home. Thank you so much, and thanks for all your help. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. I'm just going to say it again. Man, I love this job. Helping people who are trying to figure out how to get their dream house, especially in some places that seems so expensive like it is out here in Southern California, that just absolutely warms my heart. It's so exciting. Some great takeaways for you guys. Important for you to know, the contracts are going to be insane. Insane. 
it is a lot of paperwork. So just be ready for it, prepare for it, and realize that that first week or two after you get your offer accepted, your part-time job, which sometimes can feel like a full-time job, is going to be doing all the paperwork to buy the house. So that means that you want to get all your planning done way ahead of time. That was something that they did. They spent a good chunk of time working with their unicorn, realtor, and lender, but especially their lender, going over their down payment options. And did you catch that? 15% worked for them as opposed to 20%. Once again, gang, PMI, not the devil. And I know in this new world of remote working that commuting is something that a lot of people are figuring into buying their home. If you are in a place that's more expensive, this is something that you want to start thinking about, something that you want to start looking into. Perhaps, maybe, if you really need that giant backyard or that extra bedroom, you can look for someplace that isn't quite exactly in the more expensive city and get yourself out and find yourself something that fits more in your budget. And, you know, it's a shameless plug, but I'm not saying this because I'm saying go to my lender. Not all of you are in California. You're all over the place. I'm telling you this because this is my insider secret. Online lenders will not be there for you the same way as a local mortgage broker. Now, the industry is changing all the time. And sooner or later, all these online companies are going to take over. And you know what? That's what I hear everyone on social media whining about is the big corporations taking over. So I'm giving you the inside scoop. Take advantage of this while they're still out there. Mortgage brokers are actually becoming mom and pops now. <laughs> they're getting eaten up by all the online advertising that's happening, but you are guaranteed better service. Most of the time, your local mortgage broker, they realize that they're going to be competing with all the big guys out there. And hey, they can get you the same rates. Yeah, it's a new exciting world where everybody does everything on these fancy new things called computers. It doesn't mean that the online places can get you the better deals. Your local mortgage broker's got a laptop right there. They can get you the same deal, but they're going to get it to you with better service. Man, that was great. And I'd love to be able to interview you someday. So if you want more information on how to get your own personal plan started, go to howtobuyahome.com. In fact, I don't know when you're listening to this. You might be listening to this far in the future. I know we've got brand new listeners every day, and they're listening to me back from 2019 when I was stuck in my living room. But we've got something very exciting for you there now. It's the first of its kind. It's the brand new first-time homebuyer starter kit. Yeah. Finally, someone gives a damn about you guys. I'm very excited about it. You can jump on there, and it's going to kind of walk you through all the first steps that you need to do. Everyone's always asking me, man, I really want to figure out how to buy a home, but where do I start? This is where you start. The starter kit. There's more tips, tricks, tools, techniques hints, inside stuff at the YouTube. That's how to buy a home podcast on YouTube. And also you can find how to buy a home on TikTok because some joker out there on Instagram already took how to buy a home. I see you. You haven't posted since 2018. If you're looking for me on Instagram, look for David Sedoni. I'm not a narcissist. I just couldn't get how to buy a home. And please share this podcast. It's for everyone, whether you're a hundred thousand bucks or you're a million dollar home that you're trying to buy. Actually, we've had some podcast listeners over 2 million bucks that used the tricks from this podcast. This is for everything. You can find your tools, your techniques, all the hints that you need, and most importantly, to help you make sure that you have a killer team so that you can get the dream of home ownership, no matter your budget. The goal is to make this process dreamy, not nightmare -y. Did I make up a word? I did. 
if you're renting out there and you've got a steady job and your debt's not out of control, this is possible. So get your personal plan. You can do this.